So last week, uh, if, if you're Jewish, you may, you may know about this, but last week was a special commem- commemorative day in the Jewish world. It's called Tish B'Av, or the ninth uh, of the Jewish month of Av, which that's the month we're in right now. It's a strange and really unexplainable day that observes multiple tragic events in history that took place against the Jewish people either on or near the ninth of Av. For instance... This will freak you out, okay? The first temple built by King Solomon was burned to the ground by the Babylonians in 586 B.C. on the 9th of Av. The second rebuilt temple now, and then expanded by King Herod, was destroyed by the Romans on 70 A.D. You all know 70 A.D., that comes up so much in message and stuff, but you don't know that it was the 9th of Av. Uh, Both events included the slaughter and exile of thousands of Jews, Jews were expelled from England in the year 1290 on the 9th of Av. They were expelled from France in the year 1306 on the 10th of Av, and they were expelled from Spain on the 7th of Av. The order by the Nazis to exterminate all the Jews in Europe, known as the Final Solution, submitted submitted by Heinrich Himmler, was formally accepted on the 9th of Av. And there are many other tragic events around this day as well. So... As you can imagine, Tish B'Av is an annual day of intense mourning for the Jewish people. Now, most of you know that both of my parents uh, were Jewish. They, they both have passed away now. Both sets of my grandparents were very Orthodox Jews until they moved to the United States and gave that up. My mom's family came from Europe. My dad's family came from Russia. I'm what you call an Ashkenazi Jew. Ashkenazis tend to have lighter skin. Sephardic Jews tend to have darker skin. And um, all the way up to, to black. We're, we're, we come in all different shades, us Jews. And my grandfather's name on my dad's side was Louis Anbinder. Louis Anbinder. It got shortened when he... Uh, came to the United States. He lived during the same time of history that Fiddler on the Roof portrays, so it's the late 1800s, time when Jews were being persecuted and martyred by government-sanctioned riots and executions called the pogroms. Russian Jews back then were forced to live in ghetto-type neighborhoods called shtetls, and uh, despite the often light-heartedness of Fiddler on the Roof, daily life was very challenging. I mean, that's an understatement back then. It was more about surviving than thriving. The pogroms intensified in the early 1900s and having enough of that life. My grandfather escaped from Russia at the age of 20. He ended up first in Canada where he met my, and married my, my grandmother Rivka. I didn't get to know either one of them because they died uh, in my first year of birth. They eventually made their way to Los Angeles, California, where they lived in a Russian refugee tent community for a few years. But the, you know, the trauma took its toll on my grandfather, and he eventually turned to alcohol to, to numb the, the, the pain in his life. And when drunk, he often became violent against my, uh, his wife and his 11 children. My dad was not an alcoholic, but he learned how to deal with his emotions from his dad and frequently escalated into fits of rage towards uh, my mom and my brother and me. And then Andrew and I meet uh, when she's 16 and I was 18, and we married three years later in 1974. She also came from a dysfunctional family system that normalized rage. And so not surprisingly, we struggle in our marriage 
from the start, pass that down, uh, many of our dysfunctional traits to our children, till God got a hold of us in the 1980s. And began to slowly heal from those deep emotional wounds. But you know, wounds uh, typically end up leaving scars. You know that, right? Wounds leave scars. And honestly, our marriage has been both very beautiful and very challenging journey at the same time, even to this day. But by the grace of God, we've logged in 48 years of marriage together. And I'm happy to say both our kids are doing really well in their lives. It's kind of humorous because Andrea always had in her mind to marry a Jewish man. But she had no idea what she was signing up for. (laughs) In the Hebrew Scriptures, God says of the Jewish people, they are his chosen people. Deuteronomy 7, 6 says, For you, the Jewish people, are the people holy, that means set apart, to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you out of all the people on the face of the earth to be his people, his treasured possession. And you'd think, I mean, you just think, if God chooses something, right, especially to be his treasured possession, then you'd think what would follow would be an easy, prosperous life. Um, but historically, it's just the opposite for that of that for the Jewish people who have been persecuted and martyred ever since God chose them. Which is why my favorite line in the movie on the Fiddler of the Roof is the main character, Tevia, looks up to God, says, God, I know we're the chosen people, but can you choose someone else once in a while, you know? (laughs) And I took this time to frame the challenges that Jews have faced throughout ages because as we look at this is the last message in this prayer series as we look at this final prayer called by Christian in Christian world it's known as the Aaronic blessing but in the Jewish world it's known as the Birkat Kohanim the priestly blessing first and foremost I want you to know that because God foreknew the Jewish struggle he crafted this very special prayer in the form of a blessing to be a vital source of courage and hope and inspiration in the face of a constant stream of persecution and transition. There's something magical. There's, there's an anointing, um, a comfort, and an empowerment about it. And this prayer is like a healing probiotic, right, for our metaphysical gut. The word, I don't know if you, you know, the word for strength in the Hebrew Scriptures is most of the time, it literally means our intestines. In Yiddish, we call it our kishkas. Anybody Jewish here know the word kishkas? Yeah, okay. You hear that alert a lot growing up, you know. You get kicked in the, you kicked me in my kishkas. All right. And this prayer is designed to give you the guts you will need to face anything that the world throws at you. That's what this prayer is about. It's about challenge and transition. And so if you happen to be someone who's going, uh, has or, or is going through painful transition or two or three or four or five in your life, you've ended up in the right place this morning. Take a deep breath because this day was ordained for you even before the beginning of time. The passage for the priestly blessing is found in Numbers chapter 6, verse 22 through 27. Here's what it says. The Lord said to Moses, tell Aaron and his sons, this is how you are to bless the Israelites. Say to them, the Lord bless you and keep you. 
The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. So they, meaning the priests, will put my name on the Israelites and I will bless them. And so I got this t-shirt that has this on it. I'm just going to stand here for the next 20 minutes. <laughs> just read it until it soaks in, okay? Now, over time, it's kind of interesting, the, um, the tradition that came to be is that when the high priest would say this blessing over the people, they would actually hold their hands out like this, making the Hebrew letter sheen. If you know anything about Hebrew, this kind of forms the letter Sheen, that letter is on every mezuzah, on every Jewish home. Uh, it's a special name. It represents one of the names of God, El Shaddai. The Sheen makes that sh sound. Um, and a little trivia for you trivia buffs before we go on. Leonard Nimoy, who played Spock in Star Trek, was Jewish. Did you know that? And um, as a kid, he saw the priest make this hand gesture at the temple so years later, when he was asked to come up with a special greeting that would uniquely represent the Vulcan people he portrayed on the series, he remembered the priestly blessing. And so that's where you get this from. Is that cool or what? I made that up. No, I really didn't. If, you, if Google Leonard Nimoy and the priestly blessing, and he, he shares about the story, it's kind of cool. All right, let's dive... Also, Nanu Nanu, isn't that? <laughs> Let's dive into the deep end of the pool and see what we can pull out of this, this blessing. And don't forget that you can text the words Aaronic Blessing to Cornerstone's text number. And do we have that on the screen? There we go. Just so you can get the spelling right. And you will get not only get this full prayer, but you'll get some other bonuses that would help you during the week if you want to use this for your devotional time. It's been pretty cool um, tracking each week that way. Um, and I want you to notice something about the blessing, okay? <clears throat> this is so important that you notice. What I want you to notice are the special postures God takes towards us in this blessing. And they'll become obvious here in just a few moments. Here are the phrases in the priestly blessing, I like to say him this way because I want you to, to see the emphasis here is the Lord is the one that's doing all these things. The Lord bless you. The Lord protect you. The Lord make his face shine upon you. The Lord be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his face to you. The Lord give you peace. And I'm not going to be able to cover all these phrases to do them justice. I, I just can't dive deep into these things enough to get them all done, but we're going to get most of them, and you're going to leave here with a full meal, so trust me, and you can look up the rest of them. The priestly blessing starts out, Iverechacha Adonai, that's the Hebrew, Iverechacha Adonai, which means the Lord bless you, and the great thing about the Hebrew language is that you can typically avoid abstract kind of foggy meanings of words because almost every Hebrew word can re reduce down to a very clear and concrete picture. In this case, the word for blessing, barach, literally means to bend your knee or to kneel. That's what it means. And so you should have this clear picture in your head of God having a posture of kneeling down in front of you. A posture of humility and honor and respect. 
Now, in our Western culture, when we greet someone, our posture is typically standing straight up, chest out, hand out, firm handshake, <laughs> nice to meet you, right? We're Americans. But this type of greeting is foreign in most Eastern cultures. I mean, some have adopted it, but they've, they've just learned it from us, you know? Um, last week, while I was taking our dog Fuego out for a walk, Fuego is such a cute dog, okay. <laughs> I ran into my neighbor, her name is Sue, who was helping her aging mother out of her car. Sue's mother is Korean, and her name is Sun, and since my past, in my past business days, I spent quite a bit of time in Korea. I know some Korean, and so I bent my body forward to greet Sun, and said, Annyeonghaseyo, which is Korean for hello. And Sun bent her body like this, said, Annyeonghaseyo. And uh, it was very cool. You know, she, she was like, oh, you speak Korean. Oh, no, not really, but. <laughs> okay. Now, in many Asian cultures in the world, they use this type of humble, kind of respectful Greeting. For instance, in Malaysia, you put your hand on your heart like this. I, I think that's so cool. Um, in most of the Latin cultures, you give a soft air kiss on the side of a cheek, right? In indigenous New Zealanders tribes, they rub their foreheads and noses together. I like that one. I'm going to start doing that, by the way. <laughs> it's going to get real creepy, but it'll become normal after a while. Most of you know that here at Cornerstone, we have a team of people helping to establish a recent Afghan family uh, of six, helping them to establish them here. Uh, they live in Boulder County. Here's a picture of that family. I've never shown you them before, but there they are. Aren't they lovely? I, I won't say their names for safety reasons, but that's them. Adorable. That baby was just born about a month ago. And they'll probably have another one in about nine months. And then nine months later. And so we're in this for the long haul. But the husband of this family will never let me open a door for him. You know, we go a lot of places, shopping, things like that, and never lets me open the door. As soon as I start opening, no, 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 no. You know, which is his only English word that he knows. He won't let me walk behind him either. Because in their culture, older people are respected and honored this way. I try to do it every time, but he absolutely refuses. By the way, a little commercial. I'm taking the husband to get his driver's license tomorrow. He passed the, the written test, no English. He passed the driver's test. And tomorrow, we're just going to go pick up his driver's license. It's going to change their world completely. But we need a car. And we need a big car. So we're, 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 we're shopping for like a seven or eight passenger van. I noticed last week, and I noticed today, lots of seven or eight passenger vans in that parking lot. <laughs> so if you've been thinking about upgrading, this is a good time. We got about a ten dollars or $12,000 budget. Uh, we can also use a family that can help carpool two of the kids to Monarch that are in elementary school, if you can help out with that. It's a big deal. Um, they live about a mile and a half away from campus, and um, it's just really, you know, we, we, do, we do a lot of transportation needs. Also, if you want to 
volunteer with our team. Just send an email to justiceandmercy at cornerstoneboulder.org, and we'd love to sign you up. Okay? Okay, in the ancient Hebrew mindset, to bless someone is about taking a humble and honoring posture, literally in the form of kneeling low to the ground. Now, we get an even clearer picture of this posture from looking at another word that's related to this, which is beracha, and it's built from the same root. Beracha means gift. So you see, we can, we can start building kind of a, a clear picture of what this means, and you can hear how these two words are related. Barach, blessing, beracha, gift, same root. And we can blend these two ideas, to get, two ideas together by understanding that in ancient times, when a gift was given to a person of royalty, they would approach very slowly and cautiously, right? Bend their knee and bow to the ground in a posture of humility and respect, and then gently place the gift before that person of royalty, and then slowly retreat from their presence, slowly, until regaining a full standing position. And if you recall, this is the humble way the three wise men approached baby Jesus when he was born. Matthew uh, chapter 2, verse 11 says, On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasure and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. I don't think it says in the scriptures, but if you watch The Chosen, I distinctly remember them coming in slowly, bending down, and then backing up before they stood up. And this humble, kneeling, gift-giving posture is exactly the picture that you, we should all have in our minds when we hear the word, the Lord bless you. This is the God of the universe reversing the tables. Not the subjects bowing down and bringing gifts to the only true king, but the only true king bowing down and bringing gifts to us. Raising our status above his. Treating us like royalty. That's what it means when God says, the Lord bless you. And maybe this kind of posture is hard for some of you to imagine. Because maybe you grew up in an environment where God was framed as an unyielding authoritarian. Who views humanity as wretched, pitiful bunch of losers deserving eternal condemnation and judgment. Now listen, there's absolutely no doubt that God is the highest authority in the universe, unquestionably, and that there's absolutely nothing and no one above him. But that's exactly what makes this blessing so powerfully anointed that the highest authority in the universe would lower himself in such a humble posture before us. That the highest authority in the universe would lift us up above himself. That the highest authority in the universe treats us like royalty. Why? Because a posture of humility and honor is where true power comes from. Do you know that? Don't be conned by fake power brokers in the world today. 
They can be our pastors, our politicians, our employers, our teachers, our friends, our family. And they use their high position as a way to control and manipulate others and do everything in their power to remain in power. That's just the way the power system works in the world. It's always worked that way. Only, sadly, that system is so clearly emphasized in our world right now. I don't know if we'll ever get back to where we were. But Jesus once addressed that fake power system in Matthew 20, verse 25 through 28, saying, Jesus called the disciples together and said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over you. They exercise authority over you. And their high officials exercise authority over them. See the power structures? Not so with you. We're not going to do those power structures, Jesus says. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you, you want to be a big deal? Be a servant. And whoever wants to be first, be a slave. Just as the Son of Man, meaning Jesus, did not come to serve, to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And You know, we all have positions of power. It doesn't matter who you are. You know, you could be a five-year-old and you have a position of power over your, you know, two-year-old brother. We're all given positions of power in one way or another. And the real way to empower the people below us, our constituents, our children, our spouses, our employers, whoever, right, is to lower ourselves so that they can be lifted up. That's where true power comes from. And I don't know how many times I've said this in my 28 years here, but God never asks us to do anything that he doesn't already do himself. And that's the gospel, right? God loves us so much that he left the comfort of heaven. He came to earth in the lowest form of a human. And then he he went lower, right? He sacrificed his life to give us eternal life, to lift us up. If you want to generate real transforming power, lower yourself. That's what it means to bless somebody. Bless someone by lowering your status and raising theirs up. And I hope you see clearly from these word pictures just how precious and valuable you are to God. As you imagine him bowing down in humility and honor in your presence. Can you just get that in your mind? God would come before you and as soon as he sees you, he goes to the ground. Why? So that you can be empowered. So that you can be lifted up and victorious in your life. Over whatever challenge life may throw at you. That's the simple meaning of what it means to bless. What a beautiful world this would be if even half of us did this. Okay, the Lord bless you. The Lord bends his knee before you. It's a good way to think of this. Let's look at the next phrase, the Lord keep you. It's the word vishmarecha. Vishmarecha Adonai, which means the Lord protect or guard or keep you. It comes from the Hebrew word shamar. 
And it may seem like God here is promising that he will protect us from all the challenges in life. How many are old enough to know that that's not true? But keep in mind, you know, that this blessing is being given to a people group that will suffer greatly throughout history. And so God is not offering blanket protection from pain and suffering, but something much more deeper and more lasting. The English word for keep is probably the best way to understand the word shamar. And um, in, in thinking of keep this way then becomes similar to what Brian, if you heard last week, what Brian talked about last week about keeping or protecting or guarding covenant promises. In other words, God is saying here that he is 100% committed to us. And when we understand Shamar in this covenant context, it gives us the confidence to know that despite whatever challenge may enter into our lives, God will never give up on us. He'll never abandon us. He'll never forsake us. He's with us. He's for us forever. Remember King David when he was on the run uh, from Saul who was trying to kill him for 15 years. Imagine being on the run for 15 years of your life. That would be half my life. In my mind. It's still 30 here, you know. But he wrote in Psalm 23, 4, even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. Why? For you're with me. Even in his darkest hour, he knew God was with him. Psalm 27, 10 says, though my father and mother forsake me, the Lord will receive me. The Lord won't forsake me. Trust is the most important ingredient in any relationship, but many of us carry deep emotional wounds because Often the most significant people in our lives hurt us. I have those wounds. And there are so many ways that we can experience relational wounds. Our our parents divorce. There's infidelity. There's rejection. There's abuse. There's addictions. We could make a list that just goes on forever. 101 ways to hurt somebody. It would be a good book. And it's not just the significant people in our lives who hurt us. Oftentimes, we're the one who hurt hurt ourselves the most, right? With the decisions, the poor decisions we make in our lives. And during those times, it's easy to think that God has abandoned us. And he's had enough of our shenanigans. He's just done with us. But the amazing truth is that God is even, listen to this, get this. God is even closer to us when we experience pain. He is never closer to us than when we experience pain. Psalm 34, 18, write this down on your, you know, write it on your forearm. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. And again, this is all about a posture, right? How close God gets to us. So God may not keep the trials out of our life, but there's absolutely no way to keep God out of our life. You know, in Psalm 139, where can I go from your spirit if I go up to the heavens or there if I go down? I mean, basically there's no place to hide because God never leaves you. Even if everyone else in your life abandons you, your family, your friends, God presses in even closer. 
He is with you through thick and thin, always. Nothing can chase God away. Rabbi Saul said it this way, Romans 8, 38, 39, for I'm convinced that neither death nor life, angels nor demons, neither the present or the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, and then he just throws everything else in there, right? Nor anything else in creation. <laughs> will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Messiah, Jesus our Lord. Vishmarecha Adonai, the Lord keep you forever and always. And then, worship team, you can start making your way up here. I'm going to finish up this message um, by combining two of these phrases together because they both talk about God posturing his face in a certain way. Remember, you, you re- we read about those. Lord shine his face upon us. Lord lift his face to us. Um, so that first one is, Yair Adonai Panav Alecha. The Lord shine his face upon us. The second one is, Isad Adonai Panav Alecha. The Lord lift up his face uh, to you. And I want you to think about what this means to shine a face on somebody. What does it mean to shine your face on somebody? What kind of picture do you get in your mind? The picture I get in my mind is that of uh, the face of parents when they see their newborn baby. Oh, you're absolutely adorable. You're the cutest baby ever. I can't get enough of you. Oh, look, she's smiling. Oh, no, I think she just farted. (laughs) But you get the idea, right? That's what it means to to just beam or Google over somebody. That word Googling doesn't mean to go and Google something. Okay. And if we combine this face-glowing picture, stay with me, okay, because I'm building up a, a beautiful picture here. If we, can, if we combine the, the face-glowing picture, the shining of God's face upon us, with the lifting of God's face towards us or to us, I think we end up with an incredible visual that I hope will be etched on your heart and soul forever. Because this is how God thinks about you. All right, are you ready to see what it looks like? This is what I think it looks like right here. That is God Googling over you right there. That is God shining his face upon you. That is God lifting his face to you. You know, if you have to lift your face, where are you? You're above him. God delights in you. He loves to hold you up and look into your eyes and go, ooh, you're so cute. You're so adorable. You know, the wisest parents in this world, that's not me, but I notice wise parents. And you wise parents have made me a better parent, but a little too late. The wisest parents in the world are the ones who continue to bless their kids long after they stop being cute. 
which comes pretty quickly. And the wisest people in the world are the ones who learn that a blessing posture is the power the world needs to be victorious in life. And don't feel shame if up until this day you don't fit either of those categories, okay? Because for most of my life, I've been a huge fail in those areas, but it's never too late to transition to a new posture. Once you learn that lowering ourselves is what lifts up others. Desmond Doss, anybody know that name? He was a young man with a strong faith. He was a Seventh-day Adventist who took the commandment, thou shalt not kill, very seriously and very literally. And because of his belief, he was a pacifist when it came to war. And after Japan bombed Pearl Harbor, Desmond knew he had to help out in some way. So he enlisted as a medic. That was, he was trained in, but he refused to carry a gun or kill anybody. His friends and family would frequently ask him, how are you going to do that in battle, you know? And Desmond would say, well, everyone else is taking lives. I'll be saving them. His fellow soldiers hated him for this pacifist stance because he felt that he, they put them at risk for their safety in the battlefield. And Desmond received frequent death threats and even was once physically assaulted by another soldier. His story is captured in a movie called Hacksaw Ridge. It's really gory. It's a great story, though. Desmond's platoon was ambushed up on Hacksaw Ridge, and so the commanding officers orders a retreat, but less than a third of the men make it back. Two-thirds are up either dead or wounded. Desmond refused to go down into safety that night. And with the threat of losing his life looming because the Japanese soldiers viciously hunted down those who were still alive to finish the job, Desmond fearlessly and single-handedly, there was no one else to help him, lowered down the wounded soldiers by rope. He saved over 70 soldiers that night. Earned the respect of his battalion. He was eventually awarded the Congressional Medal of Honor by President Harry Truman. And of the 16 million soldiers in World War II who received that medal for taking lives, Desmond was only one of 431 soldiers who won that medal for saving lives. Rabbi Jesus once said, I do not come to condemn the world. I come to save the world. How did he do it? By lowering himself. Not just to a bow, but to death. And so you have a communion cup in front of you. Can we put that picture of Jesus holding the baby on the screen again?
You know, the Jewish world, long before Jesus took what was normal in the Jewish world of drinking a cup of wine and eating a piece of bread, every Friday night on Shabbat and every other holiday, has a prayer that starts with Baruch. It's like Baruch, right? Baruch is blessed, or Baruch is blessed and Baruch is blessed and Baruch is blessing, like blessed. Baruch Atadonai Eloheinu, blessed are you, O Lord our God. And it was during Passover that Jesus took the cup, he took the bread first and he broke it and he said, this is my body broken for you. And then he took the cup, this is my blood poured out for you. basically saying that what you've been doing for decades and decades and centuries and centuries was just a picture a picture a blessing bless are you Lord our God right how's it going to finish who spills his blood for you who breaks his body for you that's how that blessing is formalized and fulfilled in the cross that's how much God loves you. That's how low God goes for you. So let's take the first the bread out. I went backwards, so now it's tricky getting my bread out. I think I just desecrated Jesus' body there. Let's eat the bread. Let's drink the cup. And would you stand? I'd like to sing the priestly blessing over you. First in Hebrew. Iverecha Adonai veishmerecha Isadonai panavalecha veikunecha Isadonai panavalecha veisalem lecha Shalom May the Lord bless you and keep you May the Lord shine his face upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his face to you and give you his perfect shalom. Amen. Let's worship.